What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays, Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s drummer, and Joe Johnson's jaw rest, of course. We've got Jays we got him for days. Josh, how are you doing? I feel like this is the time of year where everybody's just kind of plugging along. It's dark. It's cold. The holidays are over. It's just it's a strange time of year. It's without a doubt the worst time of the year. <laughs> without a doubt. Like, like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is by far January, February, by far the worst months of the year because there's literally nothing to look forward to. It's cold. Like it's it's gonna be cold, especially around right. here for the next two months. But it's not like it's not like spring is right around the corner. Right. Right, because you, you almost get excited for the winter to start. It's like December and yeah. Christmas and yay, but like really, there's a reason that winter doesn't actually, the season doesn't actually start until December 21st, because these two months are just horrible. But, you know, we're to the, we're, we've turned the page in terms of like, it's getting a, it's like the days are lasting a little bit more, right? Because we, we've, we've gotten to the shortest day of the year and we're on the way back back up but it is a lot of rinse and repeat and cold and my car looks horrible because there's salt stuck to it all the time and it is it is a it is time to to grind because it is there's not a whole lot else to do but there's plenty of basketball to watch yeah and plenty of basketball there was this weekend um so we're gonna take a stroll uh, and make a few stops around the college basketball world on the pod here we're gonna talk ap poll here in a second uh today the auburn daggers number one in the ap poll and josh texted me he was like can we please talk about this ap poll and I'm, i'm i'm curious as to uh what he's what he has to say but it is a monday so we'll start where we always do and uh, we'll start with winners and losers josh who's your winner never in a million years that i think we'd be sitting here on january 24th and the marquette golden eagles would be ranked never in a million years certainly not after the own three start yep but here they are they followed up the win at Villanova with a win over Xavier. Yep. They are a game back of Villanova for what that's worth. I mean, technically Providence is winning the conference right now and playing excellent basketball and beating every team they should. So there's some interesting things happening in the Big East, but we discussed them in depth last podcast. We don't need to. They have flaws. I really didn't think they were going to be that good. I thought they were going to be fun and I was going to appreciate them because of the way they play. These coaches that can find a way to get guys to buy in and not quit when it looks bad, it's a it's a really powerful testament to the kind of leadership skills that people like Chaka Smart have. It's one of those things I will always point to um, it's the same thing with the, the Detroit Lions this year. I don't care whether you think Dan Campbell is a good coach or not. That team never quit, and that says something. Because there are plenty of teams that, of course, they're still trying to win, but you just kind of get the sense that they're not fully invested. That is not an issue with the Lions. That is not an issue with Marquette. 
and to credit to Shaka Smart and those players, and here they are. Uh, I mean, of course, the difference between the Lions and and Marquette is that like one one team kept buying in and like actually is winning because of it. (laughs) The Lions suck in every single form of the word and every part of football. They're just bad. In fairness, they won more games than they were supposed to. But yes, right. Marquette has actually turned it into a very good season. Right. Because with all due respect, I couldn't care less if you got guys to buy in and you still lose. What's impressive is that is that it pretty easily could have been like a, okay, yeah, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're losing and we're already 0-3 in conference play. And, but like when you look at their, and they're my winner here too, by the way, but they still don't have bad loss still. Mm -mm. I mean, the St. Bonaventure is probably their worst loss. And the Bonnie's not quite as mid-major powerhouse this year as we thought they might be, but their losses are to the Bonnie's, UCLA, Xavier, UConn, and Creighton. Those aren't those aren't bad losses. Um, and now they have six straight wins against Providence, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, along with DePaul and Georgetown. Like that is incredibly impressive and to your point Chaka Smart gets gets a lot of credit there and it's a testament to another thing we've talked about here multiple times is just when you find a coach that fits with the program and you have a program that has guys that fit with the coach that turning it around quickly is uh not something it is is uh maybe not as surprising as it might seem to be on the on the surface but because the puzzle pieces just just fit together when you combine the program the players the program gets usually and the type of guys that Shaka Smart wants to wants to coach and uh it's a a a nice reminder that Shaka Smart didn't forget how to coach after he left to go to Texas Mm -hmm. he uh he's still very much a very high level basketball coach. It just clearly was not the, not the best spot for him at Texas, even with incredibly talented rosters. Um, but yeah, the golden Eagles, who would have thought that, that Villanova would be seven and two in the conference and not winning it because the Providence Friars are six and one and Marquette is right there behind them at, uh, at six and three. And Listen, they play, they still play Providence. Yeah, right? They still play most of these teams one more time, but like they end with Butler, Georgetown, Creighton, Butler, DePaul, St. John's. Like, like that's, I mean, we're right in the thick of the most difficult part of their schedule. Oh, yeah. And they're rolling through it right now. I mean, I would be completely stunned if they get to February 8th at UConn and they still haven't lost and this winning streak is still going after they go to Seton Hall to Providence against Villanova and to UConn like maybe we should just hand them the national championship trophy (laughs) right there and hand Shaka Smart coach of the year right there if if that happens but nonetheless they're uh, very very impressive and uh, Daryl Morsell is still shooting like 40% from the three-point line which might be the most impressive thing of all Who's your loser? On the other side of the spectrum, who's your loser? LSU. Okay. 
I know, not at full strength. They've lost three straight games to Arkansas, Alabama, and Tennessee, in which they gave up 70 or fewer points. Gave up, not scored, gave up. They are the only team in the top 31 currently of Kenpom with an, out, with an offense outside the top 91. Would you like to guess where their offense is? Was it like, is it like 120th? Is it worse than 131st. That? Okay, all right, gotcha. Would you like to guess the other only other team in their general vicinity in terms of how they're sort of categorized in Kenpom? Wait, sorry, I guess the other team what? In their general vicinity in terms of they're right next to them in offensive rating. They're a little bit lower, but they're still pretty high up in Ken Palm. There's a, there are two teams that stand out when you look at the numbers because they have a huge number next to their offensive is it, rating. Is it Texas Tech? No, Texas Tech is... 58. Um, yeah. Uh... You're on the right track. Tennessee? Nope. That's, I mean, they're basically in the same spot. Yeah. Iowa the State. Team, yeah. Iowa State. Yeah. Yeah. And I did, I did lie. San Diego State is 183rd. And well, yeah. So they're San Diego State in there too. He's 183rd mm-hmm. offensively, third defensively at 35. But yes, this has very much become the, they're just, I know you have some concerns about Texas Tech's offense. To me, there is just a different. Wait, level. you mean the Texas Tech offense that? Or sorry, not Texas Tech. Sorry, I was about to give flack to Iowa State. Yeah, no, but. there is a different level, different level of bad that LSU and Iowa State's offenses can get to, as we've seen recently with both teams. But you know, we talked about LSU coming into conference play needing these quality wins. Yes, they beat Kentucky, but other than that, you're talking about Wake Forest. They've lost to all of the good SEC teams they put outside of Kentucky, and now they have some opportunities remaining. They're going to win some games because they're just better than most SEC teams still. But this could be a disappointing end to what was a really strong start to the season here. You know, you've got some Texas A&Ms in there. They play TCU this weekend depending on health and just quite frankly, if they can score enough, right. It's not shocking to see them lose those games or to a Florida or somebody. So they're probably going to slip up a couple of times. And that's in addition to the games they have that they probably should lose or will be competitive because they're playing the other good teams in the sec. So yes, there's a, a slight caveat because they're not at full strength, but this is, it's tough to watch them play offense right now. Yeah, and you know, and also just simply like there's a SC like they very quickly like it was like ten days ago that I was like I'm really excited about this yeah. this race to win the SEC between Auburn and LSU like those are the two teams I put there and then all now all of a sudden right Kentucky is still right there but not but you know LSU is not even close and. The, the Tigers don't seem like they're going to be losing a lot of games anytime soon. And so all of a sudden you're, you've, you, you, the, the goal in SEC play has all of a sudden become very different very quickly. Yes. Right now it's now, instead of being right up there with Auburn when they were both, you know, four and O or whatever, four and O and four and one, 
now LSU is right smack in the middle of the of the SEC, and it's like, hey, can we get back into like a top four kind of thing? Um, and I mean, now you're two game, now you're a game and a half back of third place kind of thing. Like it, it turned very, very quickly. And, you know, there's, you're going to have to win a lot of games from this point on um, to get back into that conversation of top four in, in the SEC. My loser is Iowa state to talk about another team that yeah. is not as bad as their conference standing suggests. But also, like, if you told me before the season started that on January 24th that Iowa State would be 2-5 and five in conference and tied for the worst record in the conference, I'd be like, yeah, that checks out. But, like, the, the journey in between the two, um, not exactly what I would have expected. But losing, like, losing at home by 15 to TCU – and you scored 44 like that is that is that is unbearably bad and with all due respect like you can't like like Iowa State can't let anybody shoot 50% from the field like if they're going to they, they, their offense on most nights is just not good enough for the other team to shoot 50% from the field yeah and it's not like TCU had a great game like they yeah. were 25 51 from the field but like they only scored 59 and mike miles, 59. mike miles was scoreless for most of the game right there is that's no, a damian ball former yeah. former uh, memphis tiger right damian ball was fantastic that's the that's the part of this for me that yes i really thought they were going to be better in a top five team in the in the conference and even at the beginning you thought, okay, they gave Baylor a run for their money. There's no shame in losing that game at home. They got the win over Texas Tech, albeit a shorthanded Texas Tech, but a Texas Tech that then immediately went and did some really good things. They fought hard against Oklahoma. They were right there with Kansas. Mm-hmm. And now you're getting into the part of the schedule where, right, most of those games, okay, they had a tough start. They got Baylor. They got Kansas. They got Texas Tech. At Oklahoma is not a game you're necessarily expecting to win. But they're right in your hierarchy of games in the Big 12. TCU at home is not high up on that list. Mm-hmm. And it's not because TCU is bad. It's because this is what every game in the conference is. Mm-hmm. Look at what Kansas State was going to be my winner until they allowed Kansas to come back. There just are no bad teams. Mm-hmm. You got to find a way to put the ball in the basket or this is going to right there there is no cushion where you go okay we've got Marquette and sorry not Marquette you know Georgetown and DePaul sitting there on the schedule so or you know the stretch that LSU has coming up here where there you look at and you go those are some very winnable games mm-hmm. doesn't exist doesn't exist they I, I this is a team I will continue to argue you've got to throw the conference record out the window but they still need to win enough games in conference to get to the NCAA tournament <laughs> Or else the record is just not going to be pretty at the end, right. especially compared to where they started. I mean, at this point, they're going to have to be truly horrible to not make the turn. Yeah, they they should still win enough games to be absolutely fine. Like they could go like seven and seven and eleven in conference. Oh yeah, and oh, that's, easily yeah. make the tournament. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, I might even go all the way to like five and 13 and you still are on the bubble. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, credit to them, but yeah, it'll be not pretty. <laughs> there's a chance it'll be very much a tale of two halves of the season when it comes to when it comes to to Iowa State, because right the margin of error is always already so low in that conference and not being able to score the basketball literally at all makes uh, makes things a little bit a little bit more difficult as well but that's winners and losers teams that put themselves in good positions seem to push themselves in not so good positions you know josh who you know there's an argument that for, for the team that put themselves in the best position auburn the team that's number one in the most recent AP poll. Um, so we have one of those weeks where two were the number one team in the sport last week, against Zaga Bulldogs, did not lose this week after being ranked number one. The Opera Zaggers also didn't lose. Clearly, Auburn's win over Kentucky, the bigger win this week between the two it was close the week before it wasn't particularly close this week in favor of auburn what quite simply why did you why were you insisting that we needed to talk about this um on the pod are you mad are you frustrated with the lack of logic from the ap voters what uh what uh what is uh what's got your What's got your your uh what's got your gears going about the AP poll this week? Yeah, and also I just think it's a fun conversation of which which of these teams do you actually think is better at the moment? But because they're they're so close. Yeah, my my issue is what what happened this week that made people decide Auburn was better than Gonzaga if they thought Gonzaga was better last week was a home win over a top 15 team who, by the way, lost one of their key players midway through the game and were winning at that point fairly convincingly. And I guess that's what it is for me because I understand how the AP poll works and me complaining about it isn't going to do anything. But did, did you have a change... I guess I'll ask you this before we start actually talking about the game. Did you have a change of heart this week where you came into last week saying, I think Gonzaga's the best team in the country, and you came away from this week thinking that Auburn was the best team in the country? Um, no. But I'm also not entirely sure who I think is the best team in the country. I've still, like, I didn't, I'm not, I wasn't sure last week. I'm still not mm-hmm. sure this week. Right. Like like it's probably one of those two teams, but like I don't like like it's probably one of those two, but I and that's kind of right, and that's valid. But I, I also know that AP voters saw the 12 next to Kentucky right. and saw the big deal that was made of them beating a top 15 team at home. Right. And AP voters, they, right, they make, right, most of these people don't actually put the time and effort into doing this poll. It was like, oh, right, Auburn beat Kentucky this week. They should be number one. Like, that's about as simple as it is for a lot of voters. I mean, somebody chose Arizona. They, like, picked 
put Arizona as their number one team. Which is, which is valid. How? I, I don't really have an issue with that, the way Arizona's playing right now. So you have an issue with Auburn being first, but you don't have an issue with somebody deciding that they're going to put Auburn first in their AP ballot? No, I don't have – my issue is that it changed. If you – now, we have to go back and see if this voter's been consistent. But if you think, right, I think there's an argument that you can say Arizona is the best team in the country. I Last don't agree. week, Arizona did not get any first place votes. Okay, so then I have some issues and questions. But the idea of last week and the week before that and this week saying, I think Arizona is better than those two teams, the, the way that they are beating teams, I have no issue with that. I just want to know what about the situation changed where we went from Gonzaga being number one to Auburn being the overwhelming number one. And the answer is Auburn beat Kentucky. That's what changed. That's what the AP voters would tell you. Right. And that's where I guess, what did Auburn have to prove? I don't know. Yeah, that's my, and also on the Gonzaga side, and then we could get into this game. It's not like Gonzaga just played some random WCC team this week. Yes, it was at home. Auburn played at home too. But that was San Francisco. And San Francisco, especially those guards, came out and were in control of that game for a little while. And then it was close at halftime, but you kind of felt Gonzaga had, had gotten control back and were fairly comfortable. But not. I firmly believe if you if you asked Todd Golden how he felt the first half one, he would be very pleased. And then it just wasn't competitive in the second half. Now, is San Francisco, Kentucky? No. But at some point, you got to give Gonzaga props for that, right? We've talked about these four conference games, basically, that we're all looking at. And they had one of them. And the other team showed up. And they ended up being in complete control by the end. I, I, so I was curious whether you, which team you're going to take of these three. Because to me, it's a three-team race right now in terms of who's the best team in the country. I think you can justify all three. But I just... That, that part of it will always – my mind didn't get changed because of this game. And sure. I still, to be quite frank, like Auburn's chances of winning even if Ty Ty Washington doesn't get hurt because the difference was not – at least for me, was not the injury. It was the fact that Auburn just stopped turning the ball over. When they were, when they were playing well – they were clearly the better team as good as Kentucky was and Kentucky mm-hmm. was good in this game when they hurt themselves and let Kentucky get out in transition and were sloppy. Kentucky was in control and had built a sizable lead. Mm-hmm. It was nothing Kentucky was doing. It was not what Kentucky was doing as much as it was what Auburn was not doing, which is again, a testament to how good Auburn is that right. The kind of what I took away from this is really the only team at least in the SEC, the only team that can get Auburn's way is Auburn. That's that's where we are, and that's how good these mm-hmm. guys are. I, on the AP thing, I think it is predictable that the team that was so clearly oh, yeah. at the top of the AP poll last year, and even after losing a couple times early this year, made its way back to number one in the country. It is not even kind of surprising that voters were looking for another team to put there. Um, 
and like to be honest if like if you want to look at the ap poll in terms of the number one team in the country should be the team with the best resume then auburn has the best resume and it's not particularly close i would agree with that and maybe and maybe there's part of your answer that enough ap voters because they beat kentucky decided that auburn had the resume the undeniable resume and to but, me, that's just disrespectful to everything Auburn did before that game. But, but I mean, but it's still a, another top 12 win. Yeah, it's still the sure. best one of Auburn's season. Sure. At least from a Kempom rankings perspective. I mean, Kentucky is, I mean, at least they were. Kentucky is, you know, no longer. But before the game started, Kentucky was higher in Kempom than Auburn was. Um, but the for, uh, when it comes to the game in particular, um, I this this game essentially was if you win this game, if Auburn wins this game, then there's if as long as Auburn doesn't get in their way, that there's not really anything that anybody else can do to stop them from winning this conference. I mean, we're looking at, I mean, their next handful of sec games are missouri alabama georgia arkansas texas a&m vanderbilt florida mississippi like they don't play another currently ranked sec team until they play tennessee on february 26th yep. they've gone through the, the more difficult part of the sec and have done so fairly easy and easy. like they they aren't having to go to kentucky which is helpful i mean and they rolled through the you know the LSU Florida Alabama at Ole Miss Kentucky part of this schedule with without without taking a loss um, and and now it's just going to be really really hard to stop them from winning this conference as long as they don't do something that they they that you aren't expecting them to do. The other thing I wanted to mention from this game. They were given Kentucky all kinds of fits. And this is something that the other Auburn team that made the Final Four did not have. They were a much better shooting team. But these guards and their ability to get downhill and break down a defense, they're not terrific finishers at the rim. They're not the – they don't do – it's not like they create offense for themselves all the time by breaking a defense down. But what they do is they can beat the, right, your your Wendell Greens, your Alan Flanagan's, your KD Johnson's. There are all these fast athletic dudes who can beat the first player off the dribble. And maybe they don't get to the basket. But what they do is they force Oscar Shibway to go and cover them. And so Walker Kessler is sitting there ready to have an alley-oop which is how Walker Kessler goes eight of 10 from the field for 19 points. It's a perfect combination. And then of course you have Jabari Smith who can just do whatever Jabari Smith wants because he's the closest thing to Kevin Durant we've seen since Kevin Durant in terms, at least in college and Mm -hmm. just the skill set he has. I know you, I'm assuming you feel the same way you, I think you've even made that comparison before. Yes, I do feel the same way. It's just this terrific combination of all these guys complement each other. 
because the guards can break a defense down and sometimes they get hot from deep. They don't shoot it particularly well, but Jabari Smith shoots it well. And they do enough that they're a fine shooting team. And Walker Kessler gives you some great defense and he is always in the right spot whenever <laughs> the defense does break down and it breaks down because you can't stay in front of the guards without helping off of the other guys. Mm. It's a much like Purdue's offense in a little bit different way, but this, the, uh, the ability to solve problems and have all these different ways to beat teams is awfully impressive. And that stood out again against a, you know, right, one of the best rim protectors in the country. Mm-hmm. They had no issue because Walker Kessler was there and those guards just made play after play and kept finding them. Yeah, they are. It is it is pretty shocking how complete they are as a team that was yep. not even in the conversation of the best teams in the SEC, much less the country. Auburn was picked to finish sixth by the media in the SEC. And it doesn't so it doesn't right. There's a difference between a difference between just a team sort of catching fire and a team so clearly being elite. And I think it's the latter with Auburn and we just kind of missed it. We being everybody. Right. And it's not like Auburn wasn't a, I think preseason they were hold on. pre in the preseason AP poll, the week one AP poll Auburn was 22nd. So right in the conversation, but, and, and a a top 25 team, but there's a difference between, oh yeah, you're going to be so well-rounded that I think that's the thing that's surprising me more than anything is that I, there's, there's almost nothing to poke holes into. I mean, maybe if you want to go to the three point shooting, but I'd much rather have a team that can win games multiple ways. And maybe they're just an average three point shooting team as opposed to the Auburn team we saw that went to the final four mm-hmm. that like, if they don't shoot it well, then what's going to happen. And that team still almost went to the national championship game. Like that game, that final four game was close. Um, but anyways, um, they are, that, they are very, very impressive. That's a, that's a good distinction because I would argue that Auburn team got hot. They got hot in the tournament. They yeah. were, they were good, but they weren't that good no this team is that good right yeah that's that's all i had there yeah just to me that was i i didn't i guess i didn't need the kentucky how do you feel again i feel like you can make arguments for gonzaga arizona and auburn to me just however you felt going into that game was was validated and i if i were an ap voter i would not have changed my poll based on what we saw, but credit to Auburn, they keep rolling. Would you have, would you have put Auburn number one, two weeks ago? Yeah, probably. So they would be your number one this week, but because they would have been your number one last week as well. Yeah. Okay. They've just been the most consistent team in the country. They have zero bad performances. They have yep. not lost in regulation. They have not. They have not. Okay. A couple other things happened this weekend. 
Um, first of all, IU in predictable fashion yes. uh, went and beat Purdue and then got smoked on their home floor by Michigan. That after was... after all I heard for 36 hours around here was how the how how you know going that the assembly hall home court advantage was back, baby. That nobody was gonna walk in the assembly hall and and handle the the Hoosiers. And not only did they get handled, they got handled by a Michigan team that has just been bad this year in 80-62 fashion. Um, but so I had to get my dig in there because we live in Hoosier country and everybody was was ready to was ready to crown Indiana as the king of basketball in this state again. And it took all of 48 hours for us to be reminded what's really going on with that program still. But it's, more importantly, go ahead. It, it's a step. I, I wrote the exact same thing. I said that Indiana performance was so predictable. Yeah. It's, it's a process. This was a big step in the process. They yes. needed to beat Purdue. That was, there was symbolism there other than just getting a win against a really good team. Yeah. It was a mental hurdle that was climbed. Yes, it was a special moment. Now, we've both made the point to each other, just going back and forth via text, that you can't simultaneously talk about the history and prestige of this program and things like nobody comes into Assembly Hall while also freaking out about beating Purdue. Yep. Those two things cannot exist at the same time. Either you expect to be competing for Big Ten titles, and so winning every home game is an expectation, mm-hmm. or you acknowledge that Indiana is not what Indiana used to be. They're having a good season, should make the NCAA tournament, and that win over Purdue was a big deal because Purdue is just the superior program right now. Mm-hmm. Can't have both, but this is, yeah. It's one thing to learn how to win those games. And obviously, Indiana's had some funky wins like that mm-hmm. in the past few years with Archie Miller, even where they just do things that don't make sense. Like beat Michigan State twice. Right, right. Yeah. That one made a little bit of sense, I felt like. There, I do believe something is different with Mike Woodson, and he's doing a terrific job. Just there is a there are so many steps to getting back to being one of the best teams in the Big Ten and one of the best programs in the country. And part of that is learning how to go do the next game, mm-hmm. right? You harp on this all the time. It's what makes those Kansas teams great. And this year they're doing the exact same thing. Doesn't matter how that last game went. They could escape. They could have blown a team out. They could have escaped by the slimmest of margins. They come out the next day ready to go fight for another big 12 win in the schooling conference. Mm-hmm. You can't just rest on your laurels in the big 10. These teams are too good. So yeah, that was, that's the next step is, okay, we've seen the really good, they have talent, they're in their headed in the right direction. Can they continue this thing? And can you show game in and game out instead of this thing they're doing where they turn the ball over a bunch on the road, and don't really win away from home. They're, they are difficult to play at assembly hall, but are they anything more than just an NCAA tournament team? You know, the answer to that question is no, by the way. They're not more than just an NCAA tournament team. One step at a time. Hey, that's that's fair, and 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 th- that is all fine and dandy. But we went from like like I'm seeing things on Twitter like this is Indiana basketball. Like yeah. no no, what happened on Saturday against <laughs> Michigan? That's more like what's Indiana basketball is nowadays. Like it just is, and 
but when you're Indiana, this is this is just kind of what you do, um, especially when you're trying to grasp, you know, cling to this idea that you're still a blue blood program. Anyways, um, two really high quality basketball teams played each other over the weekend, and and if this isn't where you want to go, please tell me. But I figured it will at least give you give you an opening to wherever it is you might want to go. But um, Michigan State went into the Kohl Center and came out with a 12-point win over the Badgers, um, 86-74. Really just a alarmingly balanced performance for Michigan State. <laughs> Nobody had more than 14, but they had five guys in double figures, another guy with nine, another guy with seven. And um, what happened to Wisconsin is that they had two guys who showed up on the offensive end of the floor, no uh, Tyler wall, which doesn't help. Um, and shirts such and wow. Let me try that one more time and should certainly be noted, but nonetheless, uh, the Spartans now 15 and three, six and one in the big 10 alone by themselves at the top of the big 10 standings. Is this opening any gates for you to talk about what you're wanting to talk about? when it comes to the big 10 um, but winning at Wisconsin, not a win that a lot of uh, a lot of teams are going to have in the, uh, in the big 10 this, yeah. this season. Just another twist in this bizarre season, this conference is having. Yeah. I would first like to recognize this might be of all, at least in the past five or so years, every box score that Thomas, those teams has, have produced. This might be the one he takes in frames <laughs> because they have struggled to do some Tom Izzo things in the, even then when they've had good seasons, it, it's sort of, it, they're not quite the same program they used to be. And I think at least to a certain extent, it frustrates him. They are responding Wisconsin 39 to 17. They had 11 offensive rebounds. They had 32 points in the paint. They got to the free throw line 28 times. They only took 12 threes. (laughs) This is what Michigan State basketball is at its absolute finest. Right. Like you said, there is nothing that you look at in the box score on the the production standpoint and go, wow, look at them just shooting the lights out. Or they're racking up the assists. There they go. It's great passing. No, they just rebound the ball. And pummel you. <laughs> That's how Tom Izzo wants to do this. That's what he got to do. I'm sure he was thrilled. <laughs> and listen, and, and I will always, and I'll continue to because I'm still not sold on like whether or not Tyson Walker is a good enough point guard f- for your team to like. Like, I think he's he's certainly much better than the situation they were in last year, but if you have him showing up to the tune of 12 points and two, right. Two assists to three turnovers, but like, it's not like I need him to dish out. He's averaging five assists this year, yep. sharing the ball plenty. And AJ but, Hogarth had eight assists in this game. Right. And AJ Hogarth, up, you got more than what you need. Right. Right. So that's where I'm right. Because Max Christie is showing up Marcus Bingham. Like they, they play really like, they play some defense there too. Um, You know, they're, a a solid offensive team, solid defensive team. It's just for, for them when they are beating good teams, it needs to be this balance because nobody there is good enough to carry this team 
far right it's not like you have a Cassius Winston Xavier Tillman sort of duo but they have a lot of guys that do a lot of things they have a, a group of guys that do a lot of different things well whether it's Marcus Bingham um on the interior Max Christie shooting the ball and just being a scorer um Tyson Walker Malik Hall that's becoming like one of the more dynamic bench players in the country um but with that being said they're and now you've got you know they're atop of this conference but you've got wisconsin illinois ohio state and purdue all sort of and Rutgers. shouts to the fighting scarlet knights um just a game and a half back but yeah you're right this is this feels like a right because the best michigan state teams just do a lot of really a lot of the, the little things well and uh this team certainly does that and maybe wisconsin apparently nobody can decide how many rebounds wisconsin had but they all rebounded them by about 20 so uh-huh. i saw a 17 and a 20 different gotcha. different spots so who knows yeah and the other part of this that gets real fascinating is obviously how this plays out down the stretch in terms of conference regular season title and tournament seating michigan state still up <clears throat> excuse me michigan state still has illinois twice wisconsin comes to the breslin center purdue comes to the breslin center and they travel to columbus they haven't had a particularly difficult schedule up to this point and with the exception of northwestern they're beating the teams they're supposed to they got this really good win that you're not counting on so as you mentioned they are by definition, the front runner because they're the only team without multiple losses. But it's not like they've managed to go through the gauntlet and now just have to sort of take care of business. They've got a lot of difficult games remaining. And you compare that to Wisconsin's schedule is fairly manageable. The other team up there is Illinois. And I wanted to, to mention this too in the in the context of this race. And obviously, Michigan State's next game is Illinois. Not a particularly great time for Kofi Coburn to get a concussion. Obviously, they took a beating at Maryland, which is a game they probably would have won if he was there. They get Michigan State. Then they go at Northwestern, home against Wisconsin, at IU, and at Purdue. That's Illinois' next five games. I picked Illinois because I thought they were going to be able to survive this and did Purdue was going to have a a game like IU and they weren't going to be able to run the table and get back into this race. Now this is a question of how long does it take Kofi Coburn to get to clear concussion protocol, get back and be healthy? Because if they can, they might be able to hang in there if they lose to Michigan state and beat Northwestern and you get them back for the Wisconsin IU Purdue stretch. But especially if Michigan state, gets that first game against Illinois, which they just happened to luck into maybe Coburn plays, but certainly not promising. They happened to get the at Illinois game when Kofi Coburn wasn't available. It seems like that's going to be the case. Who knows? He's still, you know, up, his status is up in the air, but this might just, right. We're running out of teams here in Ohio State's up there and obviously Purdue. Mm-hmm. We're just running out of teams that can really 
make a shot at this thing if Michigan State can keep this up for a couple more weeks. Yep. But alas, the Big Ten, they'll beat up on each other. And as you mentioned, things aren't exactly getting easier for Michigan State. I mean, we still play Wisconsin again. We still play Illinois twice. We still play Purdue. We still play the Ohio State on the road. So it's not like it's going to get any easier. But part of winning the Big Ten is not losing the games that you shouldn't lose. And apart from, like you said, Northwestern, it's a it's very much about get, having room to operate when you play these really tough games because you are taking care of business against the teams that that you should. Like you're taking care of Northwestern, you're taking care of Nebraska, you're taking care of Minnesota. Um, right. We had the hiccup with Northwestern the second time, the second time around. Excuse me, but that's part of the. That's a big part of of winning this conference is just, Hey, when you get even the kind of easier ones, make sure you win those because those, those might be the ones that uh, are the difference come, come the end of the, the end of the conference schedule. And in defense of Wisconsin real quick, those losses they have on their schedule with the exception of whatever happened against Ohio state that one day, you can point to a specific key player that wasn't there. To be able to last even this long in Big Ten play, with that being the case, and again, we had the Ohio State game. That is awfully impressive, right? You had Purdue's already had a couple slip-ups. Illinois just lost to Maryland. I don't care if Coburn's there or not. You just shouldn't lose to Maryland. Michigan State lost at home to Northwestern. Wisconsin, you can – right, Ohio State's a really good team, so that's not a huge – that's not a, a question mark or an alarm bell. And you're looking at, first of all, the other loss is Providence, which turned out to be a really good one. And second, Johnny Davis didn't play, as we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. This game, Tower Wall doesn't play. They have been awfully consistent, and you got to give them credit. Yep. We got anything else you need to talk about? So this Florida State thing continues to happen. It does. <laughs> Death taxes and Leonard Hamilton putting his team towards the top, if not at the top of, of the ACC. And here they are tied with Miami at six and two. And all of a sudden here, here they are again with a win over Duke and a win over Miami. Like we're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Just, just finish. It seems pretty clear at this point that those are going to be the three teams. Mm-hmm. North Carolina has gotten to the point where they're fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. And yeah, you got, you know, we talked about kind of right. This idea of Miami got the Florida, Miami got the Duke game out of the way. Mm-hmm. Florida state just promptly went out there and swept the season series against Miami already beat Duke. Now they almost had a horrifying, I mean, the score of that game at halftime was 43 to 19. They mm-hmm. won by one. They scored yep. 18 points in the second half. <laughs> but when you're on the road, I guess it doesn't matter. They found a way to get it done. And it's going to, I'm really curious. This is really the only other point I had. Duke's only a half game back in the wind column. I'm still picking Duke to win this conference. 
I am really curious, though, how the committee is going to end up treating Florida State. Because they quite simply were not good for the first third or so of the season. And you can't ignore that. But the, the flip side is, and we, we kind of mentioned this before, if, if they keep this up and all of a sudden they're a, a five seed or a four seed or something, now if they end up tying for the regular season or finish second, maybe it's more like a three. But if you're the one seed in that region, you're well, no part of these dudes in the other part of your bracket because they're probably going to be seated lower than where they should if you're just sort of ranking teams at that moment because they struggled so much early. Yeah, I'm, I think the committee, right, I think it depends on at what level Florida State gets to, because it's, it's really hard to undervalue a team that wins the ACC. Like if they yeah, go on yeah. to win the ACC, yeah. mm-hmm. but if they, right, this is right. If they end up as a six seed or if they like stumble down the stretch and end up as a six or like even in, in a six would really be where like, really I'm the three seed and I have to play Florida state <laughs> in the second round. Better than we are. Right. Right. Um, and if it's, if they're any lower than that, then it's like, okay, if we're a four seed, like we should get a tough second round matchup. That's, that's generally how it works. But right. If I'm a one seed and I see Florida state as a five seed, I, I might be a little upset if that Florida is a Florida state team that, had, you know, finished 14 and six in the ACC, but maybe stumbled down the stretch a little bit and had a exit early in the ACC tournament, but right. There's a, there's sort of this middle ground where if they stay in that area and don't exceed just to, okay, yeah, that's just a really good basketball team. They're a top four, you know, three, four seed that they could end up in a place where it's like, yeah, they have the bigger number next to their name, but are we (laughs) sure that they're not the better basketball team? And we seem to be in that spot a lot with, with Florida state. (laughs) Yeah, they just kind of seem to be that team. Yep. Hey, it's there. There are a few coaches in the country right now that have figured out winning lots of conference games better than Leonard Hamilton has figured out how to win lots of conference games and how to translate that. Obviously, they haven't made a Final Four, but right to not only be the to be that team that people kind of go every year here they come. And mm-hmm. then to deliver in March by making right. all these Sweet 16s, being a threat to make the Elite Eight, that kind of thing. It's right because they don't they don't get upset. They deliver in March too. It's just a question of can they take that next step and get to a final four? Right. Anything else? I have one more thing. Please. You, you actually made me think of this because you texted me over the weekend and as Houston was doing whatever you want to describe that beat down of what was it east carolina yes uh, they beat east carolina yeah. 76 to 39 or something it, and it was on pace to be worse than that for a while yeah right uh you said it was like 37 to 4 <laughs> yeah point. yeah you you said i'm kind of getting to the point where i might just have to admit that houston is this good without marcus sasser mm-hmm. <laughs> i am here to say Kyle Edwards has scored at least 23 points in his last three games. Mm. If if Houston has a guy scoring 23 points a game, 
And of course, that's a, a slight stretch. It's not fair to expect him to do that every single game. But if they have a guy who is doing that and, you know, he's scored yeah, so 25, 23, 29 his last three, then he had five against Wichita State, 15, 14, 13, 12. He's been consistently in double figures for the most part. But if he takes that next step and he's averaging 14, if he can get to the point where that average is closer to 16 and he's, you know, he's got this stretch of five to 10 games where he's averaging 20, right? If, if he's scoring 20, they only need the rest of the team to give him double that. Right. With the way they play defense. Right. Last year's guards weren't giving you 20. And one of them is playing in the NBA and the other one was supposed to be, you know, a borderline All-American this year until he got hurt. Right. They, if Kyle Edwards becomes the guy and he is certainly capable of him is playing like it right now, they are right there in the exact same spot they were last season for me, which is clearly they're very good. I'm still not sold on their offense. We have so many teams this year that are just bad offensively that have been way worse than they have, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And they're just yeah. – every single game, they just show up and they, they are not a great mid-major. They're just a great team period. Yep. I am to – like, right. I believe it was New Christmas Eve that it, that they announced that Marcus Sasser was out for the season. And since then, they've – right, they have – they've had a couple of like, ooh, you only scored 66 and only beat Tulsa by two and Temple by five. So, like – but even with Marcus Sasser, they had that like every once in a while. Um, clearly, I think there's been a slight step back, but not a big one. Um, and certainly not a big enough one that they're – I mean, they're fourth at Kempom, and it's been a month now since they lost Marcus Sasser. So clearly things are going okay, but yeah, that's, that's where they're, that's kind of where I'm sitting with Houston, right? They have a coach that is never, you're never going to feel bad about having that guy on on the sideline with you. And if they, if they have a guy who not replaces Marcus Sasser, but you know, is serviceable as an, as a go-to option and he gets consistent support, then I mean, they're gonna. It looks like they're gonna walk to a to an American to an oh, yeah. an AAC title, um, and maybe they walk into you know three or four wins in the tournament again, like they did last year. We'll see. They might but, have to uh, put the number one seed the way things are going. They might. They might. Okay. We've done the Big Ten. We talked Auburn. We talked. Houston, we talked Florida State. Is there anything else that is on your agenda for the evening? Those were all the things I had. I think those are all the things I have. Um, The only other thing I'll add is that um, Kansas is up. Kansas has put up 36 in the first half against uh, Texas Tech. And maybe that's not that many points, but I feel like that's a lot of points for uh, Texas Tech to give up. Um, Definitely. Let's see. Yeah, they're shooting. Well, it's not. It hasn't been that great. Ojai Baji, All American at this point, has a we case for need, National Player of the Year at this we point. We might need to do an All American team on Thursday. Yeah, that might be a good idea because those. There's uh, some conversations to be to be had there, but uh, that's the only other thing I'll add is that uh, we've got a top fifteen matchup uh, going on at Fog Allen at the moment. Indeed, and I'm sure, and I'm sure we'll. 
touch on that. I mean, Jayhawks, you know, now fifth in the country, 16 and two doing Kansas Jayhawk things. Even if it doesn't look exactly the way that we thought it might. Uh, oh, yeah, Jalen Wilson already has eight rebounds in the first half. Eight the guys are just a machine on, on, on the glass. Anyways, I'm done rambling. Um, is there anything else you need to get off your chest before we get out of here? Now that it's 10 o'clock on a Monday night. Arizona, UCLA, finally. Uh, finally. You know, they're just doing the most to, like, finesse everybody. It's like, yeah, we, I'm not sure where you yeah, whatever. Nah, we can't be bothered. COVID. <laughs> but, right, I mean, if you're if you're asking for anything from Arizona still, it's we want to see you beat a good team again. Because, like, the last the last top 25 team they played was Tennessee, and they've beat Washington, Colorado, Utah, Stanford, and Cal since then. Now, they're mopping the floor right, right. with Washington, say, yeah. Colorado, Utah, Stanford, and Cal. Beating, but, beating is, is disrespectful to what they've been right. doing. Yeah. But if you're asking for something else from Arizona at this point, it's, okay, hey, go into Poly Pavilion and win that game. Um, and... And them going in there and me being pretty convinced that Arizona is the better team is not something I was expecting because like UCLA has been fine this year. They're seventh, right? They've had pauses. They're 13 and two, but those, those losses are at Marquette. And as we've talked about, Marquette just beats everybody now. Sorry. Um, And then the Gonzaga loss, of course, but you know, excuse me, not Marquette. Sorry. What was I? Sorry. Oregon. Anyways, I'm going to stop talking. I'm tired. I'm starting to not make any more sense. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast and Apple podcast Spotify and Google Podcast Plus and Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. We'll be back on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh, and we will see you later.